coming up next in The Ziggler Show. When I look at why someone would want an identity shift, well, wouldn't it be nice to be the person who does the things that has a thing so that it's just as easy and smooth as you're living your life now, emotionally, right? But you have more. And that's just a simple aspect of who you are as an identity, right? So that's why I think people should want it. But then what you're saying is, well, people want that, but they probably don't want what it all entails, right? Because it does like, well, I got to be somebody different. And I think that there's something in that that people are missing out on. And I think one of the biggest things is the acceptance of humanity as a a tribe, right? The reason we're so fearful of this is I don't want to be cast out. And so what happens in this journey is people look at the actions necessary to have those things and go, oh, but that's not who I am. I'm not the person that says that thing, that, that creates that thing, that asks for that thing, that does that work. You know, I got to keep my ego, keep my facade. And so because of that, we never take the different actions because they feel out of character. And that's a huge thing as most people don't, they don't even think it's a good thing to take out of character actions. But I go, well, if out of character is, is in a good direction, it's actually a good thing. Welcome to The Ziggler Show. I'm your host, Kevin Miller. This podcast has a simple premise. It's to take the age-old wisdom of self-help and personal development and break it down as to how it relates to our world today, to your world today. You can dig in more with each episode at kevinmiller.co. So the self-help and personal development world gives primary focus to increasing our performance so we can achieve greater successes in our lives. And it's true we are all capable of more, of course. Nobody is performing at their max capacity, but we won't outperform the level of ability we believe about ourselves. And all we have to go on is the proof of what we have and haven't done and seen thus far. It brings to mind Roger Bannister breaking the four-minute mile mark in running, which was deemed humanly impossible. But more importantly than him is the other four runners who then did it within a year after he did. All that changed is once they believed running a sub-four-minute mile was impossible, and then they thought it was possible and they did it. Most of us are sitting where we are and desiring great performance from ourselves, but unable to see ourselves being at that higher level, doing that greater thing. If someone came along and ran a diagnostic test on us and said they had proof we could do it, whatever it is, we would in short order, but that won't likely happen. So how can we get ourselves to really see ourselves as that higher performer? To have a performance upgrade, we need an upgrade to our identity. Thus, my guest today, Anthony trucks. He's a former NFL athlete, America Ninja Warrior on NBC, international speaker. But as you hear me list out at the top of this show, this guy knows difficulty and having a harsh place for his identity that he had to overcome. His mom gave him up to adoption at age three. Think about that. He was three years old and then gone. He then spent three years in foster care amongst neglect and abuse before being adopted into an all-white family. Uh, He's not white. He made it to the NFL only to have an injury in his career. And from there, he spiraled down and lost everything. His money, lost his wife to an affair, lost his children. Most people just don't recover from this kind of challenge. His identity was in the trash, but he did recover. And now all that pain is the foundation of his platform for overcoming. His journey was one of giving focus to his identity and truly being able to see himself where he wanted to be. And that's the crux of his mission 
mission and his message. Uh, he has a new book called Identity Shift and some key principles I think just are revolutionary for all our efforts to upgrade our results. You can find Anthony's books, courses, and more at anthonytrucks.com and check out his podcast. It's called Aw Shift, A-W-W Shift. And if you're new to Ziggler and are a coach or want to become one, let the Ziggler family empower you at Ziggler.com slash coach leadership program. And now Anthony Trucks. Anthony, you and I both have cliff diving stories. Oh, yeah. Mine's from younger, though. Yeah, yeah, that was it was kind of fun though to hear your story. It's very telling uh that yeah. you walked to the edge as a kid. How old were you? I think it was like 14, 15-ish. 14 around. Okay. I'm gonna guess mine was around then, maybe a little younger, but you walked there, came up and said, uh-uh, backed up and sat down. Now, oh, yeah. of course I thought that was gonna be the end of the story. I thought well, that's interesting. And I'm sitting there pondering that. Of course I kept reading. Yeah. You got back up. And you you did it. When you think about that, what was the catalyst that got you off? What drove you? What was that driver that said, "No, I'm going to do it"? Because I'm yeah. thinking, is it is it you know okay? You just you know you harnessed your willpower, or is it actually just you know fear of embarrassment, or what do you think? Uh, you know, I think it's the same little voice that we all have. It's like you're supposed to do it, and then it won't shut up, <laughs> and then eventually, because it, it, it's loud, it's there, but then there's always the counter voice that says, "Oh, but you're going to die, you're going to get hurt, don't do it." And just because that voice shows up doesn't mean that one stops talking. Yeah. And so I think it just kept spinning, and I was, and I think also I'm watching my buddies jump in, my buddies, you know, Jason's jumping in, all the kids are doing it, and I'm like, I feel left out. I think humanity also, we're not built to, uh, to be solo. So we feel like we're separate from the crowd. Yeah. We feel the weight of that. And so I think that was part of it too. It's like, oh, I don't want to be the outcast. So, uh, and then you're just sitting there and eventually like you just shut the part of your brain up that says you're going to die. You say, I'm just doing it anyways. And you just go do it. And then you go, oh, you were, you were making things up the whole time. Stupid voice. That's curious though. Cause that was my experience is I walked up to it and I hesitated and I may have backed up for a second, but then I decided I was going to. But the, what dawned on me right then is kind of what you said, I, I, is there's no way I'm going to get comfortable with this. I'm not going to sit here and think about anything. This is kind of like a kamikaze thing. And I just jumped. Now, you did that. And then you went back. And I think you said you did it like 30 times. Oh, uh, we went. Yeah. Once I got you popped the seal, it's like, oh, I'm not going to die. Look, let's get. And then next thing you know, you start trying more and more. And then it, it flips. You know, the mm-hmm. the thing it's unique about humans is we're usually afraid of something because it matters, right? If it wasn't something that, that was important to us, he wouldn't usually have the fear, but in the beginning, it's hard to do the thing. Right. And then after a while it becomes hard not to do that thing. Interesting. I, Cause I'm psychoanalyzing myself, man. Cause I went back up and I did it again. Yeah. And that was it. I thought, okay, it? I did it. So I've yeah. proven myself. I think I had a fear of quitting. I've, I've always had a fear of quitting. And I yeah. think that did it. Probably some embarrassment too, but that, that was it. And to this day, now I've done it a handful of times. I even did it a couple of years ago with my kids, just showing off, trying to be, you know, Superman. Yeah. And I did it and it was the same thing. I don't like this. I'm going to do yeah. it once and I'm done. But hey, she well, did it 30 times. Well, okay. All right. Well, I think it's also relative to the person and their desire. I don't think everybody... Like it's different desires and different levels of what people just choose. A lot of people don't want to play football like I played football and that's okay. But 
Yeah. At least you tried it. You got through. Cause I'm sure there's things I've done. I'm like one time I'm good. I'll not do that anymore. You know? And like I did hang gliding one time. I did it like one. Okay. I'm good. I'm not doing it again. Right. I thought I'm scared, but I'm like, okay, I got that done. And like you up in the air, like, I don't feel like being hundreds of feet up. So I'm cool right now. And yeah, that wasn't the same as cliff diving for me. Interesting. All right. You of course have such a story here, but Man, I just took the highlights, Anthony. And, you know, as we're talking about identity shift, I mean, as you know, you have every reason to have shifted in a bad way. Um, yeah. Your story, three years old, given away by your mother, is really just hard for me to sit with. Um, I, have, yeah. I, have an ado- I have two adopted kids. And what they went through uh, was really bad. It, it's hard for me to grasp what you went through, though, in reading that you, at three years old, you were, you knew what you knew. You had a mom, you had family, and then it changed in an instant. That right. heartbreak, mm-hmm. I can't hardly get past that. You lived in abusive, you know, foster care for three years. Mm-hmm. You're adopted into an all, well, you're adopted into a family. So that seems like a good story, though. Part of that is it's an all white family. Um, mm-hmm. And and my adopted kids are, are Native American and the rest of their, you know, biological siblings are all white. So I feel for that. You spent a decade-ish working to get into the NFL. Um, Oh, well, uh, yeah, interesting. I mean, the NFL wasn't even a desire of mine until I was in like my junior year of college. So I don't know how that would, that's interesting. At least devoting, so devoting to something, that's what got me. Yeah, yeah, I did. I, I gave my my energy and my my love to the game of football for sure. So there you are, you're you're devoted to it. You make it, great story. And then boom, lost it. Mm Mm-hmm. Lost your identity, you said, lost your wife, and not just um, lost to an affair, which as a guy, guy, I think that's a different flavor than just an average divorce. Mm -hmm. Lost your kids. Uh, And then you came out of that. That's part of your story. When you look, when you take all that and look at, and you know, you've got every reason then to have gone, a lot of those things happened to a lot of people, maybe not all, but a lot of them, and it overcame them. It didn't overcome you. When you look back though, I didn't find some massive movie catalyst epiphany moment and the, yeah. the, the lights shone and, you know, kind of the hero story. You, you fell in a vat of chemicals and everything changed. Yeah, there wasn't like the clouds opened up and some amazing voice came out in a purple cloud. Like, yeah, you know, I lost my wife and I divorced and the family fell apart. I didn't actually, my kids, nobody passed away, thankfully. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, we did all that stuff. And, and there was a moment that like, the lights came on, but I don't think that they all came on, you know, like I didn't, I don't know. It's like my mom passed away at one point. I was like, man, something's got to change. And even then it wasn't like this, huh? it was more of like, something's got to change. And I went back to my same habits, you know? And so, yeah, yeah there was, there was kind of a moment, if you want to call it, it was 2016. And it was a very, it's a quiet private moment. You know, that's the weird thing is I think we're all looking for that one where there is, like you said, some catalyst, some precipice, some moment yeah. thing, right? And for me, it was just, I woke up after, you know, having been three something years divorced, not being a present father, just not liking who I was. And it's New Year's Day. I look in the mirror and I just was disgusted with myself. And, and that was the first, that this probably the first moment I could look back and go, that was when it was all like, all right, enough's enough. This is not okay. Like the, the, the path. And I think it was for the first time I saw the direction of where I was headed. And the end of that path is not a place I wanted to arrive. Yeah. That was it. I, I was like, where if this is heading, I don't want to go there. So I, I got to shift the trajectory in some way to do something else. 
And that was more of a catalyst moment than anything else. So kind of just the dawning realization. Is that a yeah. fair description? Okay. We all have it. That's the thing is we all have it, but I listen to it. There's no way a person who is in, you know, the middle of a divorce and is drinking themselves crazy that they're not seeing their kids, that they're unhealthy, that their career is not. Ha- There's no way they're waking up and not seeing that. Right. But what we do is a good job of distracting ourselves. We call our friends, we get, you know, head to the liquor store, you go and do party and type stuff. You take trip, you do all these things that distract yourself from the reality or to be alone with yourself. Cause there's interesting thing that happens when you're alone, you realize you're actually not alone. Hmm. You're just with somebody you don't like. Hmm. And that's why I think we distract ourselves. And in this moment, I stopped trying to distract myself. I sat with this person, saw who they were, and realize that this cannot continue to be me. So you've got these acute things that happen in your story. Not everybody has those. Not everybody has the rags, the riches. They don't have the huge you know, failure. And sometimes I see those as a lot of people I talk to who have been through that look at it as a, as a benefit to some degree. Yeah, uh, I would say so. Not everybody listening to this show has that, but they are sitting there with that person that they're not at least satisfied with, with a Mm -hmm. result that they're not satisfied with. So I absolutely um, am a believer in your message that here we are in this industry, self-help, personal development, call it what you want. And we Mm -hmm. often are trying to motivate somebody towards an end goal, an end vision that they cannot really see for themselves. And you're saying, yeah, you got to have this identity shift. So I love it. Uh, you and I don't know each other. I'm writing a book and I'm going to reference you in your book. I'm going to rewrite a section. Oh, thank you. Because it, I'm writing towards that end that if we can't see ourselves there, it's very difficult, if not impossible. And you're saying you've got to see yourself there. So identity shift, you've got to see yourself with a new identity, but I want to take it captive for a moment because in this industry that I've been devoted to and been involved with for so long, and we talk about this, an identity shift, I am concerned that a lot of people, they hear this and at face value, they say, yeah, I want that. But really, I'm not sure they do. I'm not sure we do. I'm going to include myself in there. Do I really want a different identity? Do I want to be something different? Or would I really rather that things were just okay with me like I am now? So this is kind of a necessary evil to have to pursue. How does that set with you? I think some people don't actually understand what identity shift is. So therefore it's hard to desire it. Okay. And I don't know if, I mean, I don't know if people go like, oh, I want that. It face five. It's like an identity shift. It does sound like, well, I don't want to be somebody different. Thank you. And, and, but I will say that people do want something different, right? We, we do want maybe the house, even if we don't want all the house and the cars, right? We want the peace to not have to stress about those. I want to have some money put away, maybe some small investments. No, I got to retire. Like I want to have that kind of peace at minimum, right? And, and the reality is a certain micro actions that have to take place for someone to have those things. But those micro actions won't take place if it isn't who you are to take them. So that's kind of the core thing I look at when I look at identity. It's not about how do I see myself? It's your identity is who you are when you aren't thinking about who you are. It's the micro actions that create these little parts of your life that has that life. And so when I look at why someone would want an identity shift, well, wouldn't it be nice to be the person who does the things that has a thing so that it's just as easy and smooth as you're living your life now emotionally, right? But you have more. And that's just a simple aspect of who you are as an identity, right? So that's why I think people should want it. But then what you're saying is, well, people want that, but they probably don't want what it all entails, right? Because it does like, well, I got to be somebody different. 
And I think that there's something in that that people are missing out on. And I think one of the biggest things is the acceptance of humanity as a, a tribe, right? The reason we're so fearful of this is I don't want to be cast out. And so what happens in this journey is people look at the actions necessary to have those things and go, oh, but that's not who I am. I'm not the person that says that thing, that, that creates that thing, that asks for that thing, that does that work. You know, I got to keep my ego, keep my facade. And so because of that, we never take the different actions because they feel out of character. And that's a huge thing is most people don't, they don't even think it's a good thing to take out of character actions. But I go, well, if out of character is, is in a good direction, it's actually a good thing. Because maybe your neighbor, Bob, every time the kids come by, you know, yells at him to get off his lawn. That, that's, that's in Bob's character, not a good character. But if one day all of a sudden Bob started going, hey, kids, have a great day. It was nice, you know, and like it was genuine. You'd go, but that's out of character of Bob, but it's in a good direction. Yeah, it's the same right. if you start saving money and not buying a bunch of stuff. You start being more joyful. You'd be more optimistic. You start help. It's out of character, but it's in the direction, micro actions that create the things you want so you can have what you want. So for a lot of people, that is the biggest issue. It's not do they want to make an identity shift. It's are they prepared and okay with taking the out of character actions that lead to the thing they want. The out of character, according to the character of myself that I know. And so you said it in a way that I really like the concept of thinking I'm the kind of guy who does X and having to fill in the blank. So Kevin mm -hmm. is the kind of guy who does X. And I may look at it and say, currently I'm the kind of guy who's doing X and I don't want to do that. So Ooh, that, yeah. Dude, so well, I'm gonna stop you there. Cause it's the, yeah. we talked about earlier in the beginning. It's, hard to do a bunch. It's hard not to do. Let's say you're a person that always sends a morning message to you know, some friend and says something amazing in the beginning. It's like, I don't, I don't do that. I'm going to send my buddy a message. Say, may have a good day. You're feeling great. Ah, it's awkward and icky. Then you start doing it and it's like forceful. It's, oh, it's right. Then all of a sudden your friends like it and they enjoy it. And they go, man, I appreciate that. And all of a sudden it's hard for you to start your day without doing it. Right. And, and that's an action. Now, that action helps probably your relationships, helps some, some other part. The same thing happens for actions that could make you more money, that can save you more time, whatever it is. But you're saying in the beginning, it's like it's just these odd actions. But after a while where it was hard to do it, it becomes hard not to because it's who you are as a human. And we have this interesting thing where we have to be in alignment as humans. Our words have to match the actions we take. And so even if we do something, we're wrong about it. Even in the face of glaring proof, there is data that shows we will still stick to the same story because we don't want to be out of alignment. That can also be used in a positive way. Well, and I know you are into the neurosciences. And when you say that out of alignment, I think of cognitive dissonance. For sure. That how often, and this came into play, you know, years ago, gosh, so long ago when I started this show and I'm a student of Zig Ziglar, you know, and he's got these, uh, these, uh, self-taught cards, affirmations yeah. in essence. and the goofiest part of it, it's goofy enough to stand in the mirror and look at yourself and speak to yourself for, for, for most folks, including me. That's kind of right. just, it's I not, yeah, not super comfortable, but even more so to say these things that you know are not true. And we played with that and, and I understand that. So if you look at it and it says, you know, I am a, I am a punctual person, you know, just to take one out and you go, no, I'm not. Then you might need to say it in the way of, I, I am becoming, I am the kind of guy who's going to become, to say it as a self-fulfilling prophecy yeah. because at face value to say that, um, you know, I'm a thoughtful person. And if you, I'm a compassionate, I'll own this one. I am Kevin, you are a compassionate person. Well, I, I know and my family knows that's not my greatest gifting. Mm -hmm. So it feels like cognitive dissonance, but if I can, yeah. So if I, but can I look at it 
and claim that that is what I am going to become. well, yeah, I think that's a big piece is the affirmation of it's a huge start of it, right? You set this tone of, and maybe it's not even that I am, it's I aspire to be. I'm going to start taking action, right? Yeah. And the reason I say aspire to and take act because the actions are an interesting thing. The reason that you look and go, I'm not the most compassionate is because of proof from your past. Right. Actions I take and uh, inactions that, you know, so I go, well, well, what do you have to do to create proof then, man? Well, we just got to start taking action. So if you want to, make that statement correct, right? That I am, we just have to start creating proof by taking actions. And that's the out of character stuff. But the more you do it, we have this investment bias as humans. If I give Kevin money and I'm like, Hey man, I want some money back, uh, more money in a year. I'm that's, I gave my, I invested, I expect a return, right? Same thing happens with actions. There's a return, but it's in confidence. It's an emotional aspect. If I give the energy in some area action wise, I want the return. I'll actually get the return of that feeling. That's why uh, love. If I want a feeling of love, the best thing is to do a loving action. Yeah. You don't wait for the love and then do the action. You do the action. Like think babies, my kids, I got three of them. These little humans, all they did was poop and cry and eat repetitively for years. Right. Why did I love them so much? Cause I was giving loving actions to create the emotion. And so when you want to create that emotion of I'm a compassionate person, we have right. to do compassionate things to create the emotion of that's who I am. So we are now in alignment with that thing, but that's in overtime investment bias process. You are listening to The Ziggler Show and my conversation on identity shift with Anthony Trucks. If you want to dig in more with his book, Identity Shift, get it wherever you find books, of course, or go to identityshiftbook.com and use the code LIVE to get the audio and digital workbook along with it. We'll be right back. Okay, you've got me thinking in the aspect of exercise. Yeah, um, that's a good one. Yeah, I like that. Well, or, or, or let me say, let's, let's take a guy who's been sedentary. He's out of shape. He's flabby. He's got no muscle tone. And he looks and he yeah. gets the light and says, I want something better. Like you said, uh, the word, you said I was disgusted uh, with myself, which is yeah. interesting. I just read, I'm reading Brene Brown's new book, Atlas of the Heart. And she talks about mm-hmm. emotions and a disgust is one. And I read about that. It's really interesting so that's high on my mind right now. So let's say somebody, I'm disgusting myself. I want to do that. They can't get up, look themselves in the mirror and say, hey, I'm a fit guy because they're not. They wouldn't, yeah. But they could say, I'm the kind of guy, I'm going to be the kind of guy today mm-hmm. who exercises. And you're saying, yeah. if you do that, you will then find yourself, however many months down the road, possibly as somebody who is now fit, who has achieved the result. Yeah. Well, if, if you have a level that is set, I mean, I, the hard part is the destination is going to be when you clarify, not you borrow from the world. Cause you know, always feel out of shape of the world's, you know, but yes, a hundred percent. And I, and I also think it's tied to in an aspect of realizing you have to commit to the actions of the outcome. You know, like I have to commit to the small micro actions and, and that's where I believe action and suffering. So I tell people a lot this guy you talked about is suffering inside. He, not only is he out of shape, his knees probably hurt. He might actually be suffering physical pain. He's suffering the, the aspect of not feeling comfortable going to the beach or to the pool, taking his shirt off, right? There's a suffering to that. And the only way to stop that is to take an action. Doesn't mean it's a singular one though. It means it's one taken over time. But this guy, let's put it this way. Let's say that this guy has, you know, let's say he's 300 pounds. And he, let's say at 280, let's say at 270, he's still kind of chubby. If that guy puts the effort in, and loses 30 pounds, if he knows all the long days, the meals he missed, the sacrifice, if he feels that, he'll show up at 270 
he may not be at his goal of 220, but he's still going to feel like, you know, I can say, like, I'm, I'm, I'm a fit. I'm a fitter guy than I was. It's a little bit of a different confidence, surely because of the actions and the new proof he has in opposite of who he was at 300 pounds. So you don't have to only get to the destination to have that, because at a certain point, you have to feel aligned with that so that the actions are not like they can't be this thing that drains your soul from 280 to 270 might be drain your soul energy. But after a while, well, he's been going to the gym Mondays at four o'clock and Wednesdays and Friday. He's been eating this meal over and over again. We're creatures of habit. The more he does, it, the more it flows. Now it's where he used to fight getting up at 300 pounds at 270. He, he can't imagine not doing it that day. And the last 50 pounds slides off almost effortlessly. Yeah. The same work as he did from third, 300 to 270, but it felt different because it was who he was now. You have been in this light on Instagram. I was looking at your social media and you have a bunch of posts recently about both competence and confidence. Yeah. As I'm playing with that, reading that through the lens of, of your book, your message and whatnot, we, again, I'm going to point back to our industry. We do a lot of motivating, right. And, and saying you, you be confident right now. Yeah, do it. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Because that's what I'm feeling from you or, or was reading there that you're saying, oh, oh, okay. But that generally comes from a level of some proven competence. Yeah. You have to, if not, why you have, why are you, con- I hate that. When I started this world, I got into this world and, uh, and I was under certain people and I used to like, look at what else is going on. And I hated the person that's like, believe in yourself, do it now. You should do it. Believe. And like you said, there's part of me that goes, but why I don't, just because, just because you yelled at me. And then what happens? I step away and I go, but I don't have that. And I lose it. And I feel less than because I'm beating myself up because I figure I should just be confident. It's like, no, whenever I started out, I was like, how can I give you the thing that's most necessary for you to have confidence, which is proof. I keep going back to that. And that comes from an action you take. I need you to take an action and you might fail the first 50 times, right? But at some point you will do it and go, holy crap, look at what I created. And that's a different seed. Now, when I say believe in yourself, you go, yeah, yeah, of course I should. I, look what I did. And that's what you see oozing out of the most successful people. So people talk about failure being this amazing, you know, useful thing, fail forward. People don't grasp, in my opinion, what failure should be. It's actually in the book. I don't know how far you'd like the, the, the reframing failure concept. Yeah. That's one of the biggest issues is, is people, they don't get the proof because they fail and they stop. So therefore, it's a consistent negative cycle of, yeah, I don't have confidence. You're yelling at me to have confidence, but I don't have it. I, I should. You don't know my world. You don't know what's going on. If you, if you just knew me, you'd know that I'm not the guy to believe in myself. I'm not the girl to believe in myself. It's like, yeah, because in the moments where you were given this gift of a failure, you didn't take the lesson and reapply to get better and better and better. So eventually you had proof. So you are stuck in that same cycle and you're in that cycle. You will never come out of it, no matter what I yell at you to believe. I told you I had Dan Pink on the show recently and his new book is the power of regrets. You just nailed it that the regret, the power of it is if you take it captive and figure out what the lesson is to yeah. learn. If you don't do that, then it's just a regret and go feel guilty all day long. Yeah. It's funny you say guilty, dude. I have a whole thing we talk about called guilt to greatness. One of our workshops, it leads to a level of grit of guilt. That, that's, that's what I think is the, the prominent emotion for a lot of people that we're rocking with. And, and Brene Brown talks to it as well. And there's a difference between guilt and shame and Shame is I am bad, guilt I did something bad or didn't do what I was supposed to do. And that I believe is where a lot of us are fueling our day from. And, and regret is that guilt and it feels heavy. And I think that that is one of the biggest reasons people don't take an action is 
one, the emotion I need to take the action I'm waiting for. It. When I feel guilty, I don't get it. So I don't take the action. And then two, part of me is like, if I do take the action, I do get it. If I haven't resolved the reason I feel guilty, I'll think I don't deserve what I got. So it gets burned through. The money gets burned through. I mess up the relationship, you know, for whatever. I self-sabotage yeah. because I inherently I haven't resolved that. So even if I got this thing, it doesn't stay long. I can't sustain it. And that is, I think, heavily tied to that guilt aspect. You mentioned the kind of the motivational thing, yelling it, you know, yelling, yeah, you, you be confident. What? Okay. The one that gets me again, back to athletics. So I, I, I was a, I was a pro athlete, not in football, but uh, in cycling, but grew up in football. And the thing that's hit me recently in light of what you just pointed out, there is the consummate picture of the coach on the field and you're running drills or whatever. You got to want it more. And I think, man, if you are screaming that at some guy, he doesn't want it more. He doesn't. Yeah. Well, this is, this is an interesting thing you go. Cause my son, he's 12 and we're in this space where, you know, he watched dad do his thing. My oldest son, not a football guy, youngest son, he's desired to do it. And I've told all my kids, I don't care what you do. I don't need to live vicariously through you. I played my sports. I did do. If you go to the league, great. You, you don't great. Just be happy, but you're not going to sit around my house and do nothing. So you better find something you want to do. That's one piece of it. Yeah. And so there's a dynamic where he's chosen football. And I question, I said, do you want it? Yes, dad, I want it. So it's interesting is if you're yelling at that person, there is part of me that goes, yeah, if you're yelling at them, they just don't want it. They just don't want it. But then, then I started sitting and looking at my son. I'm like, but his words say that he wants it, yet his actions don't align. Hmm. And then I started questioning, well, why don't his actions align? What is that thing? What's going on? And I think there's this perspective for him. He doesn't quite understand at an emotional level what it is I'm trying to get him to do to understand. Like, so it's usually met with, he's at this moment. This is his threshold. It's too hard. It's too long. I can't do it. So then we do. We yell at him. Got to want him more. I got to push. I think part of it, I don't think he comprehends that he can do more. I think that there's a, there's a fear of what could happen at that tier. And what we do is it's like if a car is going fast, let's say you've never driven above 100 miles an hour. What happens at, at 120? What do you typically do at 120? Never been to 120. What would you do, Kev? If I've never been there? Yeah. Back off, probably. Right. All of us would. I would. Naturally, inherently, I'm like, oh, steering wheel's shaking. And so what I do is I, I release the gas a little bit mm-hmm. and I go, I got to, uh, I must slow back down. If you think about successful people, when they hit that 120, they go, okay, tighten the seatbelt up. Let's grip the wheels, figure this 120 out because I want to go 160. And if I can't get to 120, can't get to 160. So when I look at my kid, I'm like, this guy, okay, he's, he's at 100. We need him to get to 160. But every time I press him to 120, he slows down. And so I say he doesn't want it. I take not that he doesn't want it. I don't think he understands how to normalize the speed to go faster. So that's what's hard right now. It's always going to be hard. It's always going to be difficult until I get him to go past. I have to pull him, yank him, drag him to go, look, keep the gas there. Don't take the brake off. Feel that. Oh, oh, okay. I could do that. And then eventually we go to 125 and 130. And so there's that weird in between of a dynamic of how the brain is experiencing these times. Well, that's a great segue, Anthony, into key reason you're sitting here is your commentary on an upgrade Mm. on, on upgrading. This is something that's been gnawing on me for a while. And the quick background is we, my wife and I, we've got a lot of kids and we started doing a sabbatical, just get away. Mm. And we'd go off and do that. And it was great. 
it was a step above the, the average daily relief. You know, we come in, I got this from John Eldridge. We come in, hard day at work, kick off the shoes, you know, flip the TV on, grab a bag of chips and a beer and nothing against that. But it, it's, that's relief. You don't get up from that going, oh man, I feel awesome. I'm ready to tackle the world. You just kind of let that take you on down and you go on to bed. That's relief, not renewal. So we were focusing on renewal. Okay, this is the time to get away and really recharge and, and, and renew, not just relief. So it's a step up. But what you're hitting at was something that it was not that long ago. Honestly, Anthony, I went away on one of these times, but I went away with a purpose. I went away with some specific books, some specific needs uh, that I wanted to address. And during this time of contemplation, let's call it, and input, bringing in some input, I realized, man, I, this is an upgrade. I even texted my family and some friends. Said, I'm, this is an upgrade. I am coming back. This isn't just a time of renewal and come back as a, as a better recharge, Kevin. This is, this is coming back as a Kevin 2.0 yeah. or, or, or whatever. And it was a mm-hmm. new concept to me. And I thought, we don't do that. We don't do that. I mean, my computer, I shut it down all the time and it goes to sleep, right? Or I take some of the programs off and I may even reboot it, which I did before our show because I was having some, some problems. Reboot it and that'll fix some things, debug some stuff. But when do we upgrade? It's very seldom, uh, but mm-hmm. we do that to the computer. We do that to our smartphone and it comes back and it actually does better stuff. When do we do that? I feel like it's a concept we don't have, even in this industry, and you just pulled it out. Yeah. I'm saying we have to take the time to upgrade, but that's another thing. It's not, I don't really see that conceptually on the table. Not for a lot of people. No, cause we, we, we try to deal with the, uh, we'll deal with the symptoms, not the root cause. Right. Exactly. So the symptom is, well, for some reason this app isn't where well, I'll just re- restart the computer. I'm not going to upgrade it. Right. I want to mess with the, the you know, peripherals and the software, or let's just get a different program altogether. Like I'm, I'm, this word isn't working. Let me go type it on Google docs. And I want to deal with what, whatever word that's not operating the way I want it to. We find ways to just simply cover it up. We deal with the symptoms. We don't go to the root problem and go, well, maybe the problem is there's a bug in there. Maybe it's just the, the processor can't handle what's going on or the operating system itself needs an upgrade to handle these new updated things going on in the world. I mean, our world, think about it. We have so many different things going on between like, you know, there's 120 something new genders that I didn't know existed until, you know, a, a year ago. Yeah. You have different perspectives of like politics that didn't, didn't exist, different, you know, mask views and health views and things that it gets all over the place. And so the world in and of itself, outside of our even careers, it is, it is making its upgrades at a program level, the way we're, we're seeing the world work. And there are a lot of people going, nope, same old way. I'm not going to change with it. And we don't upgrade with it. And so what happens is we can't function in this world. It becomes difficult to do anything. And it's very, it's very interesting because those who fight against that, what ends up happening is they literally can't show up the same way or in the same capacity they need to, to actually succeed in the, the way they want in this new world. And so we are naturally having to do that. And it happens either because you choose it or because you're forced to. And I don't think it's a good idea to have it forced, right? Because forced is where like you get behind the ball. Like in the upgrading process in the book, it talks about most of the time, the world is given the pop-ups. They, they slide like a computer comes on the side. Do you want to upgrade this thing? Snooze. I'll do it in 24 hours. You know, when I upgrade, nope, snooze. I'll do it in a day. It just keeps going. We keep snoozing it. And eventually things stop working, right? I can't make the money in my career. My body can't get back in shape because I wasn't taking care of eating trash. Even though my wife's like, stop eating that. You're like, no, nah, I'm gonna keep doing it. Right. Or, you know, people are like, Hey, at work, you got to communicate better. And then you're like, no, nah, I don't want to deal with that. And, we keep, and then all of a sudden I don't have a job. Why? Why? Then upgrade. The problem is 
just like computer, there's this time between selecting upgrade and a pause. You just said sabbatical. I love it because that's the pause. Most people don't want to have that feeling. They, they don't like being separate. They like to be in such a go mode because we're normalized that that movement, that stopping. We're like, I don't know what to do. I stop. What do I do? And they freak out. They can't just be at pause and let things kind of download, take it in, understand. And then once I go, oh, clarity, I see that now I can go back to my life upgraded. But that process, that time, like a computer, it's annoying same thing in our life, but as opposed to like 30 minutes, it could be like 30 months, you know, or it could be like three years. It could be 30 days, who knows? But that period of time, people are not okay with. We just want to fix it now. This immediate gratification, it's like, ah, it doesn't work that way. Well, you're talking about in the upgrade, we're doing something for that long-term goal, that mm -hmm. deeper appetite, which to do so, I have to stave off the immediate one I want to fill. And it's acute to me because I just did an upgrade. So I've got, you and I were talking about that, a MacBook. I got a MacBook Pro. I just went to Mojave uh, iOS from something old I wasn't even aware of until I tried to do something. And it might have been a Zoom thing or something that said, I can't, it can't upgrade in this iOS. I've got to. And I put it off and I put it off because yeah, right? I got all my stuff. I don't want to mess with it. I don't want to shut everything down. I'm afraid it's going to take however long and it's going to disrupt my status quo. Yeah. And it's interesting because the, the little warning sign comes up or whatever and says, you might back up all your files because you might lose some of the old ones. Yeah. And of course, inherently, I'm thinking, I don't want to do that. Though in our nope. analogy here, I'm probably thinking, there's probably some old stuff I need to lose. Uh, yeah. Yeah, some things you need to deal with. Because, I mean, when I never upgraded my computer and paid attention to what I didn't have that didn't help me. Unless for some reason everything fell apart, which usually isn't the case, right? But if all of a sudden it dropped some things and it weren't there, it's like, oh, I, didn't, I didn't need that anyways. It was just bogging up my processing speed. I think we do in life have a lot of things that are just holding space because we think we like, think about when you move your house, think about how long it takes to move your house. If you have a bunch of stuff in the garage, you haven't seen or even thought about for 10 years, but the moment you see, you go, Oh, I need that. No, you don't. You didn't need it for the last 10 years. Right? So why, why are you slowing the process down to get it over? Like, it's just weird. And so for us, we do have the friends, the perspectives, the relationship, the things floating around. I'm like, that's just, it's slowing you down, man. If you, if you can release some of that stuff and move on and you'll find the next iteration, the upgraded version of you won't even miss it. Anthony, that was, that was the story. It just dawned on me. That was the story of my putting off this upgrade. My computer said it didn't have enough space to do it. Mm, That's totally. why I didn't, how perfectly divine is that? It didn't have enough space to do it. And I, of course I had to do just like what you talked about, go on YouTube, whatever, and figure out what's wrong. Found out that over half my computer was taken up by files from my iMessage. And it was the, you know, the family text where we're constantly yeah. sending pictures and videos. And when I, it had over half of my computer and all that stuff, apparently I found out, you know, is stored in the cloud. I'm not going to lose it. And so yeah. I went on to deleted it. It's like a whole new computer. The upgrade happened in like 30 minutes and yeah. I'm on it now. I haven't figured out a couple of things, but everything is great. I didn't lose anything that I, that I needed. It was great, but it took that day where instead of writing my book, creating a show, uh, doing something that's going to increase my income, I had to stop and yeah. do that operational work 
that I, I for one, don't want to. You mentioned, you know, an aspiring people. I use that word a lot, that this is, that's who's listening to this show. They're not off listening to crime scene on NPR. They're listening to this show because they want to operate better. That's a word that you use uh, a lot. And to do that, I have to upgrade my operations. I don't want to do that. I don't want to spend my time doing that. I want to create more stuff. I want to, yeah. I want to take advantage of all the hype that's out there, man, and go build and grow and do and change. And it's awesome. And mm-hmm. you're saying, I got to stop here. That's a long-term goal. It's a deeper appetite. Yeah. And here I am. And I want people to hear that I do. I, I get it. I'm a product of it and I struggle with it today. And I'm sitting here, yeah. I, which that's why you're on a show. Yeah. We've all done it though. That's the yeah. interesting thing and is every it. single person yeah. listening has, it's not like it's a foreign concept. We just usually do it. Uh, I say either do it on demand or when crap hits the fan. Yeah. You know, it's like, you're going to do it because you chose to, and it's part of your natural process. Cause if you think about it, like I do periodically just go and tap the, you know, check for updates on my computer. Now I do it. And then something pops up. I, I snooze it now so that it takes five minutes, quick yeah. reboot. I'm done. Right. But if you just let it pile up, it becomes overwhelming to think about it. This is where I think the guilt comes in, right? I kept snoozing stuff. I didn't deal with it. So now I'm out of shape. The marriage is falling apart. I'm not making money. I'm doing time over the business, but the business is bringing me money back for all the time I'm giving into it. And now it's like, I got all these things that are out of just out of process, out of date. And if I update them, ah, it's going to take forever. And so the weight of it, the time of it, I just easier to avoid it. So we distract ourselves and go crazy and we live the same crazy cycle. But, but yeah, man, it's a, it's a human thing we all have done, but no one's understanding from a, a, like a concept of consciousness, what's really happening. Well, you mentioned the word a minute ago, forced that we often don't move. We don't do this until we're forced. And when we wait till that point, we generally don't have the same capacity. Boom. Yeah. If I, cause if, yeah. again, back to the computer thing, I think if I don't do this, it's going to crash. Yeah. Then I'm it really will, in trouble. Will. It will. Yeah. But it's funny is when people ask what I really do, uh, because I, 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 my thing is I help people make an identity shift and it's hard to get that. So people go, what does that, what does that mean? I go, really? I'm trying to help you expand your capacity. Yeah. Cause that's really what it is at a certain level. It's like the operating system, right? If I'm going to expand capacity, it means dropping. Like you said, I got to drop some of the stuff, but there is a, a level of human capacity, even operation and function. If I'm going to update and upgrade myself, like I have to be able to to handle what I have in my life now that's, that's bogging me down. I have to handle that, but quadruple that in time. If I, if I can't get to the point of what's heavy now becomes easy, I'll never access what I really want in life. You go back to the weight room idea. If I'm going, Hey, in order to get in that competition and win it, I need to bench press 500 pounds, right? Well, if you go in there and all of a sudden you, you go and you say, I'm gonna touch 225 pounds and you can't move it. Well, the solution isn't to step out of the weight room and go, can't do it. I'll come back in a little bit later, see if I can. No, that's not how it works. Like you have to go down and lift weights consistently and build, build, build to work. 225 that was hard becomes easy. Then 300 is hard becomes easy. This is the process. Like just like, you know, the physical lifting, it's the same for life in my relationship, in my career, focus, not getting distracted, planning, organizing, staying, you know, eventually, boom, I get to 500 pounds and I do it and I go, I hit the, I hit the goal, right? The thing was, I had to expand my capacity for strength over time in the weight room. My capacity in my life is like, well, can I handle the hardships that come along with trying new things that I'm scared of, you know, uncomfortable, out of character actions. And then when I get to that level and I try it, it's very hard, right? Or it's, it's, we'll call it moving fast, like the car analogy. 
can I stay here and normalize it as speed and then go, okay, I got this. Now I can expand more and expand more. And the more you can expand, the more you can handle, which means you can function and do more than what you used to do before, which is lo and behold, the way you have more in life. You are listening to The Ziggler Show and my conversation on identity shift with Anthony Trucks. If you want to dig in more with his book, Identity Shift, you get it wherever you find books, of course, or go to identityshiftbook.com and use the code LIVE to get the audio and digital workbook along with it. We'll be right back. Well, so you mentioned human capacity and back to what you said earlier, we tend, not we tend, we believe about ourselves in accordance to the proof that we have of ourselves. So when we're standing on stage though, you're the motivational speaker and yelling, you know, you're, you're Superman, you can do anything. I'm grateful that I hear you agreeing with me saying, no, no, you can't, you can't, you you can't, you, you are what you see in the mirror, what you experience the proof to be. And that is, however, it belies capacity. What is your capacity that we don't know? And it's not limitless. My capacity is absolutely not limitless. I, do I have the capacity right now at 51 years old to say, you know what? I want to be in the NFL too. Yeah, I can't do it. I'm, I'm, I'm used to playing. I couldn't do it now. I'll tell you right now. I don't have that ability. It's not limitless. It's not limitless but, you, yet, yeah. yet. But you can't expand it. There is a, there is a capability to expand it, but that's, that takes time and effort and energy. It, no matter what it is, it's going to be a haul. But it's doable. And it, the thing is, you, yeah. can't, you can't have anything above the level of your capacity. It just feels, it feels real. It feels honest. And it feels hopeful to say, you know what? Yeah, right now, I, this moment, I am not. I started doing, you, you had me thinking, uh, I'm always playing with my exercise routine and habits. Just I get bored. And, and so recently, instead of the hour weightlifting, especially I'm an endurance guy. I like to go out and ride and run. I'm not, uh, lifting weights is not my favorite thing. I do it. I've got a gym at home and I, and I do it, but I just kind of got burnt out. And so now I'm doing sets of pull-ups, push-ups, dips. You see, yeah. can you see my, uh, my walker? I see you, dog. It, it's such a great, it's a guy turned me on to it. What a great dip machine. You know, you can have, oh, I, yeah. I've got them everywhere. So, uh, I, I'm doing, I'm doing those. And just, you know, a little bit, I'll do a set here. I'll do a set there. And I started off, I thought I'm going to, I'm going to work on triceps, started doing and change my push-ups from the regular to the narrow ones, you know, the, mm-hmm. and I did them the first day. And of course I was doing some push-ups, So I, I did 18. That was fine. And I thought, yeah, I'm just going to stick there 18. And then lo and behold, I'm not pushing myself, but then there's that one day and you do that 18th one and go, man, I, got, I totally got some more in me. Yeah. A little more in you. Yeah. 19, 20, 20. And, and it just, and I did that. I didn't push myself. I didn't make the effort, but I did drop down and just do it every day. I didn't, again, I wasn't killing myself. I love what you're saying because we look at that new thing. And, and I think again, the aspiring person is often going, I'm going to go in there and kill it. I haven't mm. worked out in ever, but I'm going to go in there today. I'm going to kill it. And you do it and it's miserable. You can't, yeah. two days later, you can't walk. Yeah. You're saying, just, just, just go in there and, and kind of the baby step. Yeah. You progressively build into it. And that, that, that is what it has to be in it. And I don't think we need to convince people because I think they look at like life, they realize that's the case. There's, there's very few moments I tried something and was a world-class person at it. It's a progression, you know? And, and the thing is I got to be okay with building in. And this is where I, I think the identity thing is also an issue because some people don't grasp that, that you can't identify with the outcome. Right. So if you identified with whether I can do 20 dips, yeah. you go suck. 
can't do it. Yeah. And then, you, then what happens is you don't have the energy to even show up and do it on any single day. It just sucks. Like, oh, I can't do this. I'm not capable. Right. Whereas I go, well, what if you pretty much identify with the effort? I'm the guy that's going to go and try to do five of them. I'm the guy that's going to try to do more each time. I'm going to try. I'm just going to try. And the more you try and you, you commend yourself on trying, you pop up and go, holy crap, I, I couldn't do 18. Or I couldn't do it, but now I can. And I feel like I can do more after this 18 and we progress farther and farther. Now, I wouldn't say that you were thinking that consciously in the process of it, but in the moments of doing it, you were probably more identifying with doing the smaller things to build up than you were with whether or not I am a person I could do the 20 reps. Yeah. And that's a separation human beings have got to make because what happens is whenever you do that, you're, you have to realize you're fueling from an emotion. And if your emotion is dark and it's unnecessarily negative based on the proof you have and, and you're comparing it to the outcome, well, then you're never going to have enough energy to fuel yourself to go after it. But if you get up every day and go, I tried this, man. Hey, I'm the guy that get, I, I jumped off the cliff. Look at me. I did it. I, I tried. I didn't do it back for the first time, but I tried and I feel good. I, and I, I have a different energy. I tried again and again and again. Next thing I know, I'm a guy doing backflips and, and twirl dives because I just identified with the effort, not whether or not I was the best diver off a cliff. That's, that's again, I love that coming back to, I'm the kind of guy who, gal, who exercises. We can all say that. Everybody can do that today. Easily. And to the point you do it long enough to even say, I'm, I'm the kind of person who's an athlete. An athlete. I, I, I identify with being an athlete. So what's your result? It doesn't matter whether your 5K is 15 minutes, 25 minutes, or 30 minutes. But if you do it oh. every day, it is now part of your identity. And I do want to say, uh, I'm now I'm a fan. I'm going to qualify this. I'm a fan of doing the full motion of dips or pull-ups. There you, you know, go. It's, it's the full, Good. the full deal. And 20 is, that's my max on the dip thing there. Yeah. That's, that's right now. Not easy. A lot it's, of chest work. He's doing push-ups. He'll get there. My degrees in kinesiology owned a gym for a lot of years. Yeah, obviously. I saw that. Dips are a great, a great way to build chest strength and vice versa. They help. It feels good now. It didn't at first, but now, now it feels good. Back, back to the identity, Anthony. And again, we're in an industry, God love it. I'm a part of it. I believe in it, but I think we often do people a disservice when we're looking at that. And it's the idea of, I want, I want you to play with me with the, you know, that you can be anything concept. We mm. already said your capacity, it's not limitless. Yeah. And the idea of you can be anything. And we talk about identity, you can remake your self, yeah. you can change your identity, but it's not limitless. And I feel like people look at that. I am what I make myself. I can make myself anything. And I want to say, I want to um, maybe give them some comfort and saying, it's not limitless. You can't make yourself into anything, but your capacity is a lot better. So when you're looking at your identity, there is going to be some, you mentioned root cause issues. There are, there are going to be some roots to the mm -hmm. direction that is going to be. If you are a, you know, four foot skinny guy, you're probably not going to do well in the NBA. Probably not. You might be Muggsy Bose and you might knock it out of the park. You know, that, yeah, but it's a, that's an exception. And yeah. that we are going to be looking towards some, I mean, the, I, I, I think I'm pointing to the proof of ourselves. There is relevance to that, to that direction, not our capacity, but we're talking about that identity. It's not limitless. Like, I think that that's daunting for people. And, but it's okay though. Cause it's, yeah, like, I think one thing we're missing here is the fact that when, when you look at limitless, it's like, we're comparing it to an area. What are we comparing it to first off? Cause most people will take that and go, am I limitless? Well, limitless in what direction? Like limitless to breathe. You could breathe air limitless breathe as much as you want. Right. Right. We're talking about limitless in an area we choose to compare. And so I think first off is like choosing your own scale of what you want to compare yourself to. 
But then once you've said, I want to go in that direction, you've actually said it, then yeah, the idea is to be okay with the Harvey McKay. I heard him speak one time. He says, the biggest room in the world is the room for improvement. <laughs> and I love that because it's saying, yes, I'm, I'm limitless, but it's not a matter of limitless uh, in response. Like, can I, can I be, get all the Oscars in the world? Can I, you know, win all the marathons? I don't care to do those, but I can be limitless in my seeking of improvement. And in doing so along that journey, you will find the milestones you want to hit because really it's about falling in love with the day, not the destination, but making sure that the direction you're heading on that day is in the direction of a destination you desire because you will always spend more time on the mountain at the peak. So I think you can have limitless amounts of peaks, but you better fall in love with the process of climbing the mountain. If you can enjoy that, there's, there's a limitlessness and enjoyment of appreciation of the effort of the trying of the enjoying of that. And then you'll have stop-offs and the great achievements. And if they're in the right direction, you'll enjoy that. You'll keep on going the whole way. The beginning of your book is a story. Yeah, two uh, people. Two people. And a primary message that I took out of that was your call for us to be respond to be aware, mm-hmm. to be intentional, mm-hmm. and to be, I'm going to say, responsive versus versus reactive. That one continues to hit me because I realize that we are inherently reactive to life. We are. All now, of us. Now, hopefully I'm doing, and I, and I still like that because we want to, I want to take, if I can get my good habits so down pat that they're reactive, that's actually pretty great. It frees me up to pursue more creativity, more responsiveness over here. So I still like reactive, but knowing that on a given day, my nature, if I don't take it captive is to just react is just react to the day it is. Yeah. And, and to do. And we, but we have so much faith in that because that is the norm. That's what our coworkers are going to do. That's what our family is going to do is just be reactive to step back. Like what you're saying, because you, the, the story you have in the beginning of the book is, is our nature. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're and saying it's honestly the container that we're all used to. That's why we can do that. We, yeah. Like, like if I'm driving my wife, I can close my eyes and go to sleep because I, I trust the person in, in control. I just trust this space. Right. But it's like if I get on a bus and I don't know the person driving, I'm probably going to stay awake. I'm more alert. We put ourselves inside of vehicles throughout the day that allow us to kind of go on autopilot. So we're just very reactive to the world. You know, it's just it's kind of how we flow. And it's it takes less cognitive effort. So this is where we can go through and, and naturally just do things. And yeah, that whole thing is that's our natural. I think it's our nature, even like to a, a you know, biological level, the body. When if you if you start running a lot, your body will naturally for efficiency shed weight. You'll get skinnier. You'll lose fat. Right. You'll get rid of muscle mass because the body's like, well, if we're going to keep doing this. Let's get more efficient. And that's, so I think it also ties to our brain, like how we don't want to be completely overrun and overwhelmed each day. So, yeah, we do the easiest thing, stay in the same flow, do the same job. And then what happens is. At some point, we go, I really want that thing. But that thing is outside of your natural flow. It's outside of your current capacity, right? But you want to, you want to have it in this, this nature of how you're doing things. And so the problem is, is you don't even, most people don't even see how they're operating. They don't see that, that you said, that natural order of we just respond. We just sit there and react to the world. We just, this is what's going on. I just sit in this. And that's a, that's a scary thing because as long as you are completely inept to it, you'll keep feeling the fact that you're separate from it. I mean, that audit right there. So we talked earlier about, you know, I am the kind of guy or gal who does X. It's to do that right now for all of us. I mean, what an exercise for folks to 
shut this podcast off and to think about that. I am like, who are, how would that pan out right now? Yeah, it wouldn't be good. It'd be scary. It's, be, uh, yeah. You know, cause part of my process, we have what's called a shift method that actually does what we're talking about here. So I'm beyond the, the motivation and it's, uh, it's EGO. Everyone's the greatest obstacle ego. So the reason why people don't actually do the right stuff, cause we do work, but in the back end of that work, we feel drained, but we don't have much progress. And I go, well, how do we do that? I just, I was doing things. Well, yeah, because your ego in the very beginning wouldn't let you see what you had to work on. And so because of that, you kept doing the same things, got to the same place you are, the whole thing of insanity, doing the same thing over and again and expecting it. But we do that all day, every day. And this is like the biggest, like should be a humongous blinking light of like, this is why you got to do out of character stuff. Cause you're going to have the same thing. But if you could step back and go, let me take the ego away for a second. What am I doing wrong? You know what? I keep telling I keep setting the alarm for six and snooze until six 30. I keep, you know what? This is, ah, it's not a good idea. I should probably get up. And so like, you have to take that out of character action and get up at six and you do. It doesn't feel like you, it feels awkward what I do by myself in this dark room, you know, but eventually you do it and you start figuring out what to do when you get more normalized of that. And it feels good. And all of a sudden you can do more and you expand more. And then it's almost, it's almost like a, it's not a surprise when you have success. I think if, if you are surprised that you've had success, then you've done something wrong. <laughs> like, you know, I don't, I don't think that Michael Jordan was surprised when he won a ring. You know, I don't think that, uh, you know, certain people are surprised when they make, you know, let's say, you know, Elon Musk, he wasn't surprised when he was able to successfully get Tesla where it's at. These people did the work in the dark when no one watched out of character against the grain different. They weren't surprised at success. And I think that we're all doing things, hoping one day we just, oh, look, oh, look at, oh, we got so, yeah, we're successful. Cool. Like, no, it's not going to happen that way. When you do it, it's, it's going to get done and you're going to feel like, okay, I deserve this. I, I earned this. I work for this. And it's a different kind of settling in. Like when I was, when I got a college scholarship or I played in the NFL, it's like, yeah, dang right. I prepared for this. I've done the work, you know? And, and that's the level at which most of us don't get to because we don't do that, that tearing back of the ego to see what we have to look at, do that un, uncomfortable out of character action to get the result we desire. That is why I started off with your story and the, hardships that you had because as i looked at it there was as i said that dawning it seemed like that dawning awareness that dawning recognition not like you talked about where we go along hoping something's going to happen which we love i mean we love i mean look at the movies we love it's something happened it's it's the 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 spider-man guy you know goes along gets bit by a spider and the next day he has superhuman wouldn't that be great would it be nice haven't experienced that myself it, 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 that that plays at a human psyche and desire though to have all this without doing all this yeah and that is a a really bad seed to plant in people's minds that well i just want to showcase and i continue to come to this how some reason we love that story and i do yeah. i think we find that i don't know what it is that makes that so pervasive but we look at that and hope that something will change tomorrow even though we don't and you talked about ego, tearing back the ego, and it is, it is so impacting to me lately, Anthony, in my, not in my work, just in this industry with people, but with me, myself, at my propensity to be protective of me. Um, here, I'm going to grab something on myself that you'll appreciate here. Yeah. This is one of my... Uh, 
favorite bumper stickers from my kids. You ready? See that? <laughs> safety third for those people who are not watching the video it says safety third so it's a funny thing in my family i am not known or i i am i'm i'm not known as a safe guy uh in regards yeah. to adventure and to you know making sure that something's not going to go wrong or whatever i tend to just go after things and i enjoy yeah. that i enjoy that i mean i, I uh yeah, it's calculated, I'm sure. I'm sure you don't jump off a cliff and no parachute, but you, you I know, don't, I calculated risks. Sure. But I, but at safety is not my first thought in general. Yeah. So it's fun to go. So you put that next to, you know, just do it and no fear and all that kind of stuff. And yeah. yet, and yet Anthony with my ego and my safety third, apparently not with my ego. Uh-huh. I tend to be safety first, foremost, and sometimes only. Well, the more successful you are, I find to be the case. We, we have different, like there's actually different types of identities we lean into. And there's a quiz I do called Slower Go. One of the slow identities is what's called a defender. And it's a matter of whether or not when opportunity and opposition match, when they meet, it's whether or not you take a leap. And those who have succeeded, wherever you, you know, do your thing and build your life, when opportunity arises, you, you apprehensively approach it because it could take away from the success you've already had. But defense, right. like it goes to opposition, I bet you could take things on no problem. Like it's probably lights you up to go like, let's handle this, right? There's a part of most people are. And, and the thing, it's like the undefeated boxer. If, if we're in a ring and I'm in this fight, I'm gonna knock you out. And if you challenge me as being the greatest, I'm, gonna t- I'm undefeated, right? But that boxer comes along, I'm gonna be very analytical about the opportunity to get a 51 if I got 50. I'm gonna look at that and go, should I take that fight? I don't know. What if I lose all this that I've all built up, right? So there's that defender. And so, yes, that's part of the ego. We are all the boxers in our lives and we don't want that L. So we're very calculated about what person we let in the ring to fight. You're on this aspect of being intentional, being aware. You have three focal points that I pulled out of the book, Mm -hmm. planning for how how you plan your future moments, how you handle the planned moments when they arrive. Mm-hmm. And then the big one, how you handle the unplanned moments. And again, yeah. it brings me back to that. How am I going to look at those moments that are going to come up in my life, in the key areas of life, especially as it relate to really, I'm going to look at relationships and, mm-hmm. and, and pride and status and success and ego and say, how am I going to plan for those future moments, especially the negative moments? How yeah. I'm the, is Kevin going to be the kind of guy who responds X mm-hmm. in the planned moments and what I expect and in the unexpected moments? Yeah. That's big medicine. It's big, man. It, it's the stopping point for a lot of people is they, we can plan. It's great, you know, but life's what happens between the plans. But the process of planning helps you understand how in the fast moments to plan because now you've practiced in advance. But then most people don't do a good job of navigating the unplanned moment. They shut down big time. We tuck away and we hope that everything will pass us by and we can pop our head back up and go, oh, it's, it's spring. That's not how it works. Like you have to, you have to lean in to, to garner the strength and the tool. It's like, it's like trying to pass the test of life, but you keep leaving the class. Like you got to be in class, pay attention. You could pass the test now and the next time it comes across. But yeah, there, there is a part of us. There was actually a great book, Charles Duhigg, The Power of Habit. And he talks about how these people, these you know, elderly people who had hip surgery. I don't know if you know the story. I, no, were, it's, it's, it's one of the most marked up books I have on my shelf over there. Yeah, then you know this story. Oh, and yeah. like the people who, you know, they said, hey, if, you know, if somebody was going to come to visit you and you had to get to the front room, what would you do? And then they planned it out. And those who had a plan 
would make it to the front of the, the hospital, but those who didn't would get out and at the first moment of an unexpected, unplanned problem would go, I'm not doing this. They'd retreat back to their room. The only difference was, was there a plan in place? Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And even planning, I, I, I find myself planning. I find myself in some areas, some places where I'm maturing, planning that those unplanned moments are going to happen. They're not going to be. No, it's um, inevitable. They're inevitable. Thank you. Yeah. And yet if I've done my habits, this brings me again back to athletics yeah. that, you know, for me on, on a mountain bike, bailing down some sketchy downhill, there's been so many times when I, I've lost control mm-hmm. and I've been, I, I'm ready for impact yeah. and another 10 feet down and I'm good. No idea. Mm-hmm. It's just, it, I, but I've done it so much that instinctual. it's instinctual. And can I be that way with my ego? Can I be that way emotionally? Yeah. Can I be that way with a conflict with my wife? Yeah. Uh, I think what, you have to. And the thing is, is what you're saying, I couldn't get in that bike and do it. In that 10 seconds, I would for sure go down because I haven't, I haven't done anything there. So what I would do is I would tense up and freak out and not know what to do and I'd ruin it. Whereas for you, you've bet you said, I've been in it so many times. I believe there's probably a part of you that trusts even going down the mountain in the first place, knowing that will happen, but you trust that in that moment, whatever deeper subconscious capable part of you will come out, you trust it will come out. And it does. I've learned to, yeah. Yeah, and that's, I think, the thing when we approach life, we try to expand. It's like five steps to expansion. Like in, and one of them is the actions you have to take. And a lot of us, we won't take the actions because we don't trust that person. Yeah. Therefore, the things like that, that 10 seconds right there that you, most people are afraid of, they don't go down the mountain. So they don't get the rest of everything else going on to have the ability to do those things, to progress and progress and progress. And so your ability to step into that, yes, yeah, in the ego and the relationship and the parenting, our ability to step in that uncomfortable space and just trust whatever part of me is going to come out in that moment, sports, same thing for me. Your ability to do that makes you a better person. I think allows you to have more success more often. Well, Anthony, you, the mess. I'm gonna hold the book up for those watching it. The, the the message in this in this book. Um, again, you had a couple key anchors uh, for me. It's it's profound. Uh, Thank you. I have a lot of incredible people on the show. A lot of great messages. Uh, I'm not gonna say any one's better than the other, but some just resonate with me. Uh, and mm-hmm. you've got a couple here that are are significant. I will be continually referring back to. Uh, thanks for the work you did to bring it to fruition. And thanks for the time to share it right here with me on the show. Um, really grateful. Welcome, man. Thank you for having me. I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation too. You never know with podcasts and the hosts, like, but I love that it was just a genuine conversation. So thank you. Well, I bring people on with messages that I want to learn more about. So thanks for schooling me. Yeah. Ditto. Significant concepts to help you make the life shift you want from Anthony Trucks. You can find, again, his new book, Identity Shift, wherever you get books or go to identityshiftbook.com. Use the code LIVE and you'll get the audio and digital workbook with it. And I also recommend check out his podcast, Awe Shift, A-W-W Shift. Coming up in episode 974 of The Ziggler Show, I talk with Tom Ziggler further about this aspect of identity shift and some of the key ways in which to do it for yourself. Till then, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together. Together.